Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's just turn in your Bible and let's go to Genesis chapter 4. I'm just going to go through some scriptures here real quick. And uh, I want you to see these things. And anybody that's out in the foyer, tell them to come on in quickly because we're getting going. Is there anybody that needs an envelope? Anybody that does not have an envelope, just raise your hand and the ushers will get an envelope to you. We're going to go into tithes and offerings. And then I want you to know this. I want you to know that God cares. Over the last couple of days when we've done the tithes and offerings, one of the first things we saw is that God is very interested in your financial status. He's very interested. He wants you to have wealth. He wants you to have abundance for every good work. He wants to show his power in your finances to establish his covenant. He wants you to see these things. He wants, he wants these things in your life to do every good work. God's very interested in that. He cares about the small things. What was it that we saw? Uh, you just said there was a testimony we had in the last day or two. And you said, you know what? That just shows how much God loves us. Yes, the, the fingernail. Uh, Mark, will you come here real quick? Let, hand me a mic. Mark? <laughs> he said, who? <laughs> Let me get a little bit more volume on my mic if you can. There you go. Hey, look at that. <laughs> All right, so now I just, y'all reminded me. I honestly, I had completely forgot we prayed this. And uh, but last night I was talking to Mark and Amy. And uh, they came up to me. And they said, do you remember when we prayed for, for Mark, Mike, uh, Mike, Mark's thumb? Do you remember when we, I was thinking Mike, I looked at your mic. Do you remember when we pay, uh, prayed for Mark's thumb? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to say it again because I've done messed it up three times. All right. Mark, Mike, thumb. All right, I'm getting it. All right, get it. Do you remember when we prayed? And I said, yeah, I do. Now that you brought it up, I'd forgotten about it. And uh, I just want you to tell the testimony of that real quick. Uh, just what happened. Um, I was working at home. And I was in a hurry, of course, and I yeah. did it a thousand times with a skill saw. And hold this and, up uh, close. It kicked back and cut it completely off here. Cut the bone and all. And the only thing, it just had a little bit of skin holding it on. And, uh, man, when they sewed it up, I figured it would never be the same. It was overlapped. Uh, the feeling was completely numb, gone for weeks. They prayed for it, and I swear it looks better than this one. There ain't even nothing wrong yeah. with this one. So Now watch this. So, all right, I'm going to borrow this for a second. So, now, you say, Amy, come here real quick, please. She's like, damn, <laughs> thought you were going to get out of it. <laughs> now, you cut that down into the bone. It oh, yeah. was, it was mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. She said... When it got sewed up, she went, that thing did not look like it was ever going to. Yeah. I told him that was the jankiest looking patch job. All right. And that it was going to never be good. Now you remembered what I prayed. Yes. Tell them what I prayed. He prayed for immediate healing and like brand new right now. And it really right. looks brand I've now, done nails this. for 25 years it shouldn't look like that <laughs> <laughs> she's like it shouldn't now watch alright let me borrow the mic alright come here Mark now look at his show show him your thumbs now 
does that look? Can you even see where there was an issue? No. <laughs> does it look like it was all a janky stitch job, apparently, no. is the way Amy said. No jankiness. See that? No, no jankiness. Now see, all right, thank you guys so much. That, who did that? God did that. The Lord, he cared about. Now here's the thing. Does it really matter? Does it, in, in the scheme of important things, does it really matter that his fingernail does, does not look messed up? It doesn't really matter in a, in a big way, does it? It just doesn't matter like that. But to God, it matters. To God, it matters. And so what, that's why I was saying, God cares about the small things. If he cares about the small things in your life, how much more does he care about the big things? He wants you blessed. He wants your finances blessed. He wants your health. If he cares about how a fingernail looks, then he cares about the health that's in your body. If he cares about a fingernail, then he cares about your financial situation. God cares. He wants it blessed. He's called it blessed. He paid the price for it to be blessed. And you can have blessed. Amen? You can have blessed. Anybody would like to have blessed in their life? Blessed in their health? Blessed in their finances? Absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. And guess what? God cares. You know why? Because when people hear that testimony, what happened? What happened to your faith when you heard that testimony? God cares about his fingernail. Man, he'll heal me then. He cares about that fingernail? Oh, I... If he cares about that fingernail, then, then he'll bless me in my finances. He wants me blessed. He wants me blessed. Now, let me just show this to you. Is Hebrews 11.6, if they can put it up on the screen. Hebrews 11.6. This is one of the things I want you to see. God cares about you. And what he's done is he has provided a way... For us to move around the attacks of the enemy. But one of the keys is that we got to know that. We got to know that, that God can do it. We got to know that he will. And hear this. We got to put faith on God. That he wants you blessed. We can't. If we'll sit here. When we went over, There's a verse that we know a lot here at Boomerang in 2 Corinthians 9. And it shows us that everybody born again. They're righteous. But everybody doesn't have the same harvest. It has to do with what do we know and what do we put faith in. Because what we know and what we put faith in, we'll walk in. What we know and what we put faith in, we'll walk in. Hear it again. What we know and what we put faith in, we'll walk in. Have you ever heard the scripture, faith without works is dead? See, y'all have heard that scripture. Faith without works, it's dead. So in other words, I can stand here and say, Oh God, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Oh, you're so mighty. You're so great. I worship. You might even in worship. Oh, you might be a jumper, you know, like me. And you might worship, jumping and worshiping God. And everybody's like, look at them. They're so holy. But if you say you believe something and you don't put action to it, the Bible teaches us you don't believe it. 
You can say it all day long. You can act holy all day long. But if you don't put action to what God has said in this word, we don't believe it. But here, I want you to see this. Everybody that's born again can have righteousness. They have it. God said it. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ. But not everybody has the same harvest. What you know and what you put faith in, then you'll walk in it. You've got to know it and then believe in it, and then you'll walk in that thing. So I'm trying to get this across to everybody that's here this week. God wants you blessed. If he cares about a thumbnail, he'll care about your finances. If he cares about just how it heals, he'll care, he'll care about... He doesn't want those creditors call you. Do you realize he's not in the place where he wants pressure on you? He doesn't want that pressure on you. He wants you... In Deuteronomy 28, it lays out the blessing. And it says, I call you the head and not the tail. See, when those creditors are calling and they're putting pressure on you, or when it comes to the end of the month, and you ain't got no more money, you had more month than money, you get to that place, that's putting a pressure on you, and that is not the place God wants you to be. But if you don't know that, you'll never put faith on it, and you'll never have it. Can you see that? This verse, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is, say it with me, impossible to please him without faith but we just said faith without works is dead yeah. now we know over in uh, well let me keep on reading without faith it's impossible to please him for he watch this he who comes to God must say that with me must yeah. must say he who comes to God must must what? They must believe that he is, that he is what? That he's a God who blesses. This is the, the context that you'll see throughout the fullness of the word is this. He's the God who loves me, who cares about me, who wants me blessed, who wants my fingernail to not look janky. I, I never knew janky was a word till last night, but I understood it. It's one of those words, I heard it, and I knew that's the right word for that right there. Janky. He doesn't want any janky fingernails, amen? I've heard of some other stuff rhymes with janky, but he don't want none of those fingernails looking janky, amen? He cares about it. Yeah. It could look, it, you know, that would never bother him, probably never hurt him, but God cares about us so much. He even knows the, the hairs on our head, they're all numbered. He knows it all. He cares about us he, and knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Yeah. And he wants us blessed. We must believe that he is, that he's what? A blesser. And, what? See that word, and? And, what? Believe that he is a blesser. Two, believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now I want you to see this. All right, Stephen. All right, those were some of my notes maybe for later on this week. I was going to go this direction. Can you see here? Uh, do you see that I'm covering anything in here? No, I'm not going here. Why? Because as soon as I got up here, the Lord told me to talk about janky fingernails. And uh, he said, 
He said, I want them to know that I'm a rewarder. I want them to know. What does that mean? Why is that important? He said, I want, I want them to know tonight God is a rewarder and he seeks to bless them. He's looking 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 to bless them. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. He wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. How can you be a lender if your bills aren't paid? How can you see? And so if people don't know this about God, then they'll just go through life and think that poverty is normal. It is not normal to God. Poverty is not normal to God. Poverty is not normal to God. Lack is not normal to God. You want me to prove it by the scripture? How about this? How much lack and poverty is in heaven? Is there none? None. There's no poverty. There's no lack in heaven. How did Jesus tell us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there's no poverty in heaven, there's not supposed to be any poverty here. We're supposed to pray and have faith and believe and act Like God is not a poverty God. God is not a God of lack. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of blessing. And if you don't know that, he's wanting me to get it across tonight stronger than ever before. Because if you don't know this, you won't put any faith on this. And if you don't put any faith, then there's no reward. He's given us a way that won't, listen to me, it won't cost you anything but belief. To go right around the devil's lack and poverty. And it can start right here in your heart when you say, Lord, I trust you. You're a good God. Devil's a bad devil. He's got blessings for me. Poverty is not of God. Lack is not of God. And I'm tired of it and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Right? I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Now listen, I know sometimes when uh, Nicole, she stood up in her house, she said, I'm not going to stand for it anymore. And I said, okay, I'll take out the trash. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, you know, that same fierce drive, we got to stand against the devil like that. (laughs) That didn't happen. But it, it, it make all the ladies feel better. Amen. <laughs> I was just helping bring their joy up. And she hadn't done that. Except for that one time. No. <laughs> no. But, you know, sometimes you'll just get to the place where you've had enough. I've had enough. See, when this gets inside your heart, Lord, my God is a good God. My God is a good God. Ooh, we're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah. I can, can you feel it? We're going to have a good time tonight. God is going to pour out in this place tonight. Are y'all ready? Amen. You ready? Amen. My God is a good God. My God is a good God. My God is a good God. He's a blesser. My God is a blesser. My God is a blesser. See, when it starts getting on the inside of you, you'll start to take action on it. You'll start amening. You'll start praising God. You'll start, yes. When it gets on the inside of you like that, when the devil comes up and he tries to say, hey, here's your dose of poverty for this week. Here's here's more month than there is money. You'll start to get fierce about it. You'll start to stand up and say, no, 
That's not right. That is already paid for through Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's my deliverer from the curse. He's my deliverer from lack. He's my deliverer from poverty. I will not be held in its grasp any longer. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. I'm not standing for it anymore. When that comes alive inside of you, now you stand up and resist the devil. And it works. There's a, uh, there's a preacher called Smith Wigglesworth. One day he was around the bus stop, and there was a woman came to the bus stop. Some of you have heard this story. And this dog from her house followed, and the dog came up, and, uh, and, and she said, Now go on, dog. Go, go on, get out of there. Go on, get out of there. Go home. Go home. And the dog just, you know, was a dog. He just kept on following, kept on following. She's, the lady turned very gently. Go on. Go on. Get out of there, dog. It's like many Christians. when we're, oh, go, go on, poverty. Go on, lack. Oh, I, I, it's okay. That's just normal. Just, oh, come on now. Devil, leave me alone. Well, eventually somebody stood up and said, dog, get it! And that dog went, boom, went home. And Smith Wigglesworth stood up. He had, a, he had a power of God. He saw people raised from the dead on a regular basis. He said, that's how you got to be with the devil. Yeah. But you can't be that way with the devil till you know that you know that you know my God is a good God. He wants me blessed. He wants me to be the lender and not the borrower. See, if I'm just barely getting by and I'm just barely, let's say that all your bills, let's say that all your bills are like, $2,500 a month, right? And you make $2,500 a month, you don't have any money left at the end of the month. How are you going to lend to somebody? There's no money to lend. But God says, I want you to be the lender and not the bar, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I want you blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I want you blessed going out and blessed coming in. And in other words, God's saying, I don't care where you are. You are my blessed kids. You're my kids. You are my blessed kids. And when that gets on the inside of you, you'll start to stand up and shout. And the devil tries to come against and bring a little bit of poverty here, a little bit of lack here, a little dose, dose of not enough over here, and something on the inside of you will stand up and say, Get! This is how a church can get excited about giving. Because yeah. they realize that this is an action of faith. Faith without works is dead. They start to say, Look, and I told you it won't even cost you anything but believe. The Bible teaches this, and I'm going to show it again to you another night. But the Bible teaches this. If you will purpose in your heart to be a cheerful giver, God will give seed to the sower. He's not talking about coming out of what you already have. He's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to purpose in my heart to be a sower. He says he will give seed to the sower. He's talking about above and beyond even what you already have. But the question is, have we really made it in our heart to be a giver? Because if we actually believe that God is a rewarder and that what we sow we're going to reap, then what are we going to do? We're going to say, no, I trust my God. And I'm, Lord, I trust you more than I trust that bill collector. I trust you more than I trust my bank account. I trust you more than my ability to make money. I need supernatural favor in my life. And I trust you. Why? Because your word said so. All of a sudden, you start to move in that and you say, Lord, 
all right, I trust you. I'm giving this to you. I'm talking about just saying this, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Just stand on your feet right now. Let's just play some music. If you're making out a check, you can, every bit of the offering tonight and the rest of the week is all going to go uh, to Evangelist Stephen. And every bit of it, every penny of it. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Boomerang Church. We're going to write them one, one check at the end of the week. Here's what I want you to say. Lord, what do you want me to give tonight? What do you want me to give tonight? And Lord, I know that I trust you. I trust you. You want to bless me. And you know what I need, and you know what I need to give. All I got to do is hear from you. So just close your eyes right now. Just say, Lord, what do you want me to give? Lord, I ask right now that you would just give wisdom, that you would just bring the wisdom of God. Show them exactly what it is. Lord, we can't just be a people that say we have faith. We've got to be a people that takes action on that faith. And Lord, when we do, you are a rewarder. You are a rewarder. Father, we're jump-starting our finances tonight. We might jump-start it with two cents. We might jump-start it with a check for $10,000. But Lord, we're jump-starting our finances tonight. Tonight, we're jump-starting our finances. I'm going to hear from you, trust you, and be obedient to whatever that is. If you're watching online, you can go to givebc.org. And you should. If you're watching online, you shouldn't just sit there and receive and then never give anything. It, it costs money to send it out. And it, and it costs money for Stephen to go around the world taking the gospel. You should support the gospel going forward. It's what the Bible tells us to do. Lord, we want to sow tonight. And when you have your offering ready, just lift it above your head. Just lift it up. Father, right now, Lord, we're ready to give. We're ready to give with a heart that's cheerful about it. Lord, we know you. We trust you. We, Lord, we know that you are a giver, that you are a rewarder, and you are not leaving us in the place of lack. You're going to take us to the place of abundance. And if it hasn't started before, it starts tonight in Jesus' name. If you believe that, let your amen be the loudest. It starts tonight. Amen? Amen? It starts tonight. Yeah. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I just ask that as they bring their offering forward, Lord, Lord, let it be blessed. Let it be blessed even as they're planting their seed. Your word says you multiply the seed sown. Lord, as they're coming tonight and they are, they are giving their offering, they're putting it in the basket, they're giving it to you, Lord. Your word says that you receive tithes. You receive those things for the gospel's sake. Lord, receive it on the condition of their heart. Bless it. And in Jesus' name, let every person, according to the condition of their heart, let them be blessed. Let it be pressed down, shaken together, and running over into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can bring your offering forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, right now, jumpstart those finances. Kickstart those finances. Lord, take them up to a new place. In the name of Jesus, we bind that devourer. We bind that in Jesus' name. Lord, let it be a breakthrough. 
Let the breakthrough happen in their finances. In the name of Jesus. If you receive it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. Things are turning around. We're going to see. You know, I'll tell you this as they're taking. That was awesome. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. When we first started Boomerang, guys, you can go ahead. When we first, you may be seated. When we first started Boomerang, I would say over 50%, over 50% of our prayer requests were about finances. Today, it's like 20%. Nowhere near as close. You know why? Because we learned who God was as a group, as a body. We learned who God was in our finances. And as we learned who God was, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I gave you some knowledge tonight. I built your faith up on the scripture. And if you will apply faith in the knowledge of God, then he will start to manifest himself, manifest supernatural abundance in your life. And that's what happened. We used to have prayer requests after prayer requests about we need money, we need money, we need money. All of a sudden, people started walking in more and more promotion. And as they walked in more promotion, they had more abundance, more overflow, and the needs started to get met in their own lives. This is what we're after. Here at Boomerang, you know, I won't let, I've been wanting to tell you this. If you're visiting, yeah, you have found a place that will love on you, that will be your family. You have found a place, and some of you, you hadn't even been here for long, but you're like, it's true. These guys, they love me. They support me. They are there for me. Amen? But and one of the things that you'll find, though, is we care about your situation we do not want you to be in the place where the devil was just beating you up be it in your health or be it in your finances but in order to get you to that place of overflow it's one of those things where we got to learn the right things to do God's already beat the devil he's a defeated foe but we got to know how to apply that victory right in other words if you go into certain countries they're already beat but if you don't live by the laws of that land, you can get in trouble. Well, there's a kingdom of God, and if you know Jesus, you are in that land. But we got to learn what the rules of that land is. We care about that, and we want to get that information to you, that knowledge to you. That's what you just received in the tithes and offerings. Amen? Amen. Amen. We want to see you rise up. You're itching to go. Hallelujah. You ready? I believe it. I like your jacket. It looks nice. <laughs> they call me Ron, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> that was your introduction. Get up here. <laughs> I love you. Hallelujah. Man, tonight is going to be a good night. Who came expecting tonight? Man, I didn't come for just some ordinary service. I came to get smacked out. How about you? I just say we just all get smacked out tonight. Amen? Amen. But before I go ahead and get started, I wanted to just add on to that a little bit. I didn't ask Pastor Brian to take the offerings this week. He's my friend, and I love him, and I come down to help. And he just decided in his spirit, say, you know what, the offerings are going to, to our ministry. So when you give, you're not giving to me personally. I won't get see $1 of it. Right now, when you give, literally 100% of it goes to getting the gospel out. Where, And I can say that with 100% truth because where we're at in our ministry, I don't have like any overhead or any bills or anything like that. So literally right now, 100%. And we actually don't even take any income from our ministry. Our money comes from outside. So right now, this is like the best 
ministry you could give into because 100% goes to the gospel. I'm not just saying that to be proud. I'm just being honest because even Salvation Army can't do that. They, I think 35 cents of what you give to Salvation Army actually goes out to help something. UNICEF, I, I think 10 cents of what you give actually leaves their offices and goes out to help. But right now, 100% of what comes into our ministry goes to getting the gospel out. Amen? Amen. And when you do that, you give into a missionary offering. And that's so important because when you give into a missionary offering, you access a piece of scripture that normally you don't access. Paul said this to the Philippian church. He said, because of your offerings, my God, into a missionary offering, his journey, his missionary journeys, he says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Normally, you can't quote that scripture and receive that promise. You have to give into a missionary offering. So every time you're giving this week, you're giving into a missionary offering, and you're tapping into something that normally you don't get to tap into. It's a powerful, powerful uh, piece of scripture when you give specifically for souls. Amen? So I just wanted to challenge you this week. Go ahead, pray, and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. We're not going to take a second offering. I'm just adding on to it. Pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I want to challenge you. Give the Lord an offering of honor. No matter where your financial standing is, pray and ask the Lord and give him an offering of honor out of love. Not to help us get there. I'm going to get there either way because I serve him. It's his ministry. He called me. So I'm going to get there. But go ahead and prepare an offering according to your financial level, what an offering of honor is. And watch and see what the Lord will do when you sow and you step out and give into souls directly. You're going to see a breakthrough that normally you wouldn't see. Amen? amen. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Now I'm going to move on because it got awkwardly quiet as I was uh, talking about offering again. Amen? <laughs> We're not in the Missionary Baptist Church tonight. We're not taking five offerings. <laughs> Hallelujah. But go ahead and lift your hands. Say this after me. Say, tonight is my night. I'm not leaving this place the same way I came. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, touch me tonight like never before. I'm not leaving here. Until I, Until I receive a mighty touch from you. Touch from you. In, Jesus In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Do, whatever do whatever you want to do. I yield to you. Yield to you. you want to stick me to the floor? To go, for Go for it. If snot comes out my nose, <laughs> I'm not going to be embarrassed. Do whatever you want to do in my heart. Tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I told you our main scripture for the week is going to be Matthew 5, 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Hey, thank you. I pray you don't lose your reward either. I'm not a prophet. That was a joke. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst... After righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they 
shall be filled. It is a command. If you get hungry and you get thirsty for the Lord and what he can do for you, he will come. He's bound by his word to come and touch you. So I tell you tonight, if you're in here and you've never received a touch from the Lord, it might be your first time. You might have come for a giveaway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're even a member of this church. If you get hungry tonight and desperate for God to move in your situation and touch you, he will come and touch you. And I say these to the ones in here because we're, we're in here with a, a powerful, hungry crowd. Like when he was speaking earlier, I felt it. Tonight is going to be a powerful night. If you're in here and you've received a touch from the Lord, ask yourself, has it been a while? How long has it been a while since I've been radically touched by the Lord? If you've been here and you've been touched many times, don't get, how should I say, comfortable. Yeah. Don't sit back and just be like, yeah. I've heard it before. I'm comfortable. I've been touched. I've been wrecked. There's always more. God can touch you new in new ways like you've never been touched before. You might have a certain way. Well, I normally get the joy when the Lord touches me. There's more ways that God can touch you than just the joy. Maybe you've never had the joy. Tonight's your night. Some might cry. Some might run. Some might get stuck to the floor. Some might have a vision. Some might cry. Some might laugh. Who knows what's going to happen? Just when you prayed that prayer, say, God, do whatever you want to do. That's what, that's what my prayer was when I first started serving the Lord. I said, God, I'm so hungry for you. I have to have a touch for you. Move in my life. I don't care if I look like a fool. Move in my life. That's the one thing that holds us back is pride. Caring what others look, think about us. Like, man, what are you going to think about? Or we see somebody else get radically touched. But man, I am not going to act like that. <laughs> Because, man, I've been in a lot of churches, and I've seen the Holy Spirit move a lot of times. And, man, sometimes it gets messy. He's got to get in there and do some work. But that's how you go to the next level. When you just say, you know what, I don't care. God, touch me. I'll be a fool for you. It says, by the foolishness of preaching. Amen? To the world, we look crazy. At the book of Acts, it says they look like they're drunk. That's another thing. If you're in here and you're in the world, there is a high that you can get that does not even compare. I mean, there's nothing that can compare to it that the world has. There's a high, we like to say it like this, there's a high from the most high that cannot be touched. I'm telling you, you can get drunk on the new wine of heaven. You can be filled with the spirit to where you just lose all sense. You can be filled with such a joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And tonight's your night for that. Get ready. There's a saying, my wife is here tonight. I'm going to have her come and, and greet you here in a second. I'm glad she didn't come like during the service because I would have totally been distracted and lost my <laughs> train of thought. So I'm glad she got here. She made it just in time, drove down from West Virginia six hours today. I'm glad you're here. Amen. But I'm distracted again. <laughs> I'm just going to have you go ahead and come on up. Go ahead and welcome my wife. This is Michaela. Just go ahead and encourage them for these revival meetings because you've been in revival. You've grown up in it. I mean, you've experienced touches yourself. I might just let you preach. It depends <laughs> on how long you want to go. But she's a mighty preacher in herself. I mean, Maybe you'll even preach this week. We'll see. Only if they... If they <laughs> but go ahead and just encourage the people. 
Hello, it's so awesome to be here in the great state of North Carolina. Thank you, pastors Brian and Nicole, for having us. Um, these are some of the best pastors that we have the privilege of knowing, and I say that from the bottom of my heart, because I know a lot of people in the ministry, and um, I love the both of them and their family, so I wanted to say thank you for having us here. But um, even as I was driving down, I, I wanted to encourage you guys that you're not here by accident. No person in this room is here by accident. Even if you've attended this church for years, you know, you're here for the first time. You're just coming. You just came this weekend for Boom Fest, and you're coming your first night of revival. You're not here by accident. God has a specific plan and purpose for each and every single one of you. You were born with a plan and a purpose, divine plan and purpose from God himself. You are not an accident and you're not here by accident. So get everything you can out of these meetings. Be here tomorrow night, I think tomorrow night and Wednesday night. Those are the, the next two nights. Be here, get here, do whatever you have to do. Move your schedules around because God has something special for each of you and you are not here by accident. He has a great plan for your life. The Bible says in, in the word of God, he says that I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you for good, not destruction, to give you a hope, to give you a future. He has great and mighty plans for your life. You are anointed to do great and mighty things here on the earth. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys, get here, be here the next two nights. Even tonight, I truly, like Pastor Brian and my husband were saying, God is going to do awesome things. I, I know it in my heart, and I'm so excited to see what he does tonight and the next two nights. But so awesome to be here, so awesome to see you all. I know Boomfest was incredible, and um, tonight and the next two nights are going to be awesome, off the chain. So get here, be here, and... Um, God's got something special for you. So don't go home the same way that you came. I believe that how you started is not going to be how you finish. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. Amen? From glory to glory. So don't leave here the same way that you came. Receive everything that God has for you tonight. You don't have to wait another moment. The Bible says faith is now. So receive everything God has for you tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was powerful. We'll go ahead and line everybody up. That's powerful. Man, I told you, she was about to just start preaching. I saw the anointing coming on you. Was that right? I think you felt. Amen. <laughs> but I was about to say before I called her up and got distracted again. That's what happened when I was at Bible school. It's just like, I saw this girl. Who is that? <laughs> Still happens. <laughs> but her grandfather is a, a mighty, was a mighty man of God. His name was A.E. Shuttlesworth. Of course, you know Teddy Shuttlesworth, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. That's their cousin. And he had a saying. He says it doesn't have to be long to be divine. Amen. So get ready tonight. We're not going to be here long. I'm going to hit it, and God is going to do something mighty. Amen. He's going to blow the windows out this place. Maybe. We'll see. But then he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll provide money to replace them. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully not, because there's some beautiful stained glass. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 3. Actually, I'll start in verse 1. And if you heard me last night, you, 
you've already picked up that I like to read a lot of scripture and not really put my opinion in much because I see a more powerful impact that way. Because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Hallelujah. Say, tonight's my night. I believe it. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they be were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So this is right after the crucifixion where the church is being persecuted. Amen? I'm going to get into some other things tomorrow and Wednesday night so you don't want to miss. And make sure you bring somebody with you too. Amen? I promise to give an altar call every night. If you've got a family member that needs Jesus, bring them. Say, hey, I got, I'll take you down there. I'll take you out for ice cream after. Just come. Where are we going? It doesn't matter. Just come with me. Get them inside the church. Amen? They'll have an opportunity to receive the Lord. But don't, we're, we're in a place, I'm going to touch on it, I'll, I'll hit it more tomorrow. But we're in a place, don't allow a circumstance to make you do what you should already be doing freely. The church didn't go out and do what they were supposed to do until the persecution hit. Persecution caused them to go out. And then the church began to grow. But they could have did it for free without the persecution. So I like to look at myself. They're like, man, you're a, a millennial preacher, you know. That's my generation, the millennials. Bless God. Amen. <laughs> then we got Generation Z after us. Then they don't have a name after that yet, which I believe Jesus, because Jesus is coming very soon. But we're one of the last generations. And uh, I'm a millennial preacher, but I don't see myself as a millennial. I like to picture myself as back in time, about 300 A.D., it's how I picture myself. We've just come out of persecution. And now I look at the gospel and I look at the world. It's open to us. And I'm thinking, how do we take this gospel to the ends of the earth? There's nothing standing in our way. That's where I'm at. That's where I picture myself at. But I'll get into more of that tomorrow. But verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly. Say suddenly. What does suddenly mean? It wasn't there, and then it was there. It wasn't there, then it was there. I didn't feel anything, now I do. Suddenly, there shined around him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou? Lord, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And of course, we know he was struck blind for three days. Went to a man's house. His sight came back. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the Lord led him into the wilderness where he had an encounter with Jesus again. And Jesus taught him himself the revelation of the gospel that Paul had. The Pauline revelation, we call it. God actually hit him so hard. And my pastor says this. He said, God hit him so hard, he knocked the S off his name and put a P there. 
Literally, when you receive an encounter from God, so much so, it changes your destiny so much that it can even change your own name. It's powerful. Powerful. We have to have an encounter with God. Christianity is not just another religion. Something that separates us from Islam, from Buddhism, all the other isms that are out there, call them schisms, is our God is alive. Our God is real. We can have a relationship with him. So much show, so that he can literally speak to us and give us direction in our daily lives. It's powerful. He's real. You can't get that from Islam. Her cousin actually was sitting in the back seat of a taxi one time and asked uh, the man, he was, a, of course, a devout Muslim, asked him a simple question. He said, hey, he didn't say, hey, I'm a Christian, he didn't say anything. He said, hey, he said, uh, what's like the greatest or best miracle you've ever seen uh, Allah do for you? And immediately, the guy whipped around, he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? He says, it doesn't work like that. We don't expect to receive anything from Allah. We pray. And he says, then why do you pray? He says, because we have to. That would be a pretty boring life, wouldn't it? I'd be a pretty mad guy. I have to pray every day and expect nothing from my God. Expect to never see a change. Man, that's a pretty lame thing if you ask me. Pretty bound. Jesus is alive. And he wants to encounter your life tonight. Amen? Go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he, were, he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off the shoes off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The thing about today is we're actually in the new covenant. We don't have to wait to just suddenly stumble upon a bush. We can invoke something and make God move. He says, I will hear the righteous when they cry out. When you cry out, it says he will hear you. God will hear your prayer tonight. But he doesn't come. If there's not hunger, it says those that hunger and thirst shall be filled. You have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty. Have you ever like skipped a meal for the first time in your life? And then all of a sudden you just feel that hunger pain. You're hungry, just missing one meal. What if you miss two? I know we have people in here that have fast before. First time I fast, man, I became like a grizzly bear. You did not want to get around me. It was when I was in Bible school. I started hearing about fasts and stuff like that. I said, I'm going to do a fast. Man, I became a mean person. I'm telling you. You take food away, 
your body starts reacting. And once you, if you go three days, I'm telling you, your brain starts shooting signals all over your body saying, food, 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 find food, find food, find food. Even though your stomach is already shut off, you just feel the most uncomfortable as possible. But of course, if you never fast, if you make it past that third day, you can keep going after that. But the first three days are always the hardest. But your flesh reacts just for a little bit, not having food. And a lot of us, we feed our flesh three hot meals a day and our spirit a cold snack once a week. Come into church, or maybe we just flip into the Christian channel, and we just get a little bite from Joel Osteen. I love Joel Osteen. He is a phenomenal preacher. But we just get a little bit of encouragement for maybe 30 minutes, and we flip the channel and keep going on. Or maybe we put on K-Love, heard a couple songs, maybe it really was dealing with our situation. But we really not focus on pressing in and receiving something from the Lord. You have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty. When you're hungry and thirsty, you'll do anything to try and get food. It's like a man where he's in the desert. He's been out there. His camel dies. He's lost in the desert. And he's walking. Nothing but sand. Nothing but dry heat. And if you haven't been to Arizona, a dry heat literally zaps the water right out of you. You don't even know you're sweating. You don't even know you're losing water because it's so hot. The sweat evaporates before it can even like stain your clothes. Kind of like here in the south. I'm from Florida originally. And like we're, norm- like we're used to the humidity. Like you get out of the shower and your clothes stick to you because the water just stays in the air. But out there, the dry heat of the desert, the water's just immediately taken away. But imagine a man, he's out there for three days. No water, the sun beating down. You ever went to the beach? After a couple hours, man, give me a Gatorade, something. You roll over, quench your thirst. But there's nothing to quench your thirst. And he's going, he's walking, and finally he sees the, like the mirage of a city. He's just going, water, water. Water. His lips are cracked a little bit. I actually kind of feel mine because the, the temperature changed. Been having the heat on a little bit. Might need to get me some Carmex or something. <laughs> I actually don't like Carmex, but it really works. His lips are cracked, tongue swollen. Water. Water. You could walk up to that man and say, hey, sir, I just brought you a brand new two hump camel. Would you like it? Pushes him out of the way. No, water, water, I need water. Another man walks up to him and says, sir, I got you a brand new house. You prayed for it a while ago. I got your mansion right here for you. Hits the keys out of the way. Water. Another guy walks up to him with a suitcase full of money. Hits the suitcase over. Says, no, water, water. When you get thirsty and desperate and hungry, nothing else means anything to you. You have to have that one thing. Get that way tonight. You don't have to wait. Stir it up in your spirit. Say, I'm not going to leave until you touch me. Touch me, God, in Jesus' name. My pastor said this when he got so hungry and desperate. He said, God, if you don't come down here and touch me, I'm going to come up there and touch you. And guess what happened that night? God came and touched him. He answers the desperate cry. Amen? Amen? Turn with me to... Luke chapter 3, verse 16. 
We've heard about John 3.16, but Luke 3.16 is just as important. This is the reason why Jesus left. He says, if I don't leave, I can't send you what I have. He says, you can't be like me unless I leave. He said, indeed, I baptize you with water. This is John, the Baptist speaking. The crazy man that wore camel hair and ate bugs. But the Bible said there wasn't a greater prophet than him on the earth. So I'm kind of thinking, maybe there's something in eating bugs. No, I'm kidding. No, when I first, when I first got here, <laughs> immediately they came up to me and they got me like this lollipop that, that literally has a cricket on the inside of it. And it's, it still looks plump and juicy, too. It's not like the dried crickets. And then they told me they have like sour earth, dried earthworms. And they wanted me to eat one of those jokers. Man. Yeah. I'm not hungry for an earthworm with that sour. <laughs> but John said, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoe I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into the garner and the chaff and he will burn with unquenchable fire. Why is an encounter with God so important? Because we're going to have one either way. We're going to encounter the fire of God now or when we stand before him. It's better to have fire now to burn out everything that doesn't need to be there. To take away, to remove stuff that doesn't need to be in our life. To get filled with his glory and live like him. That's why Jesus left. He said, I got to go so I can give you what I have to do what I do here in the earth. Yeah. Or if we don't have fire now, we're going to encounter God in heaven. And his fire is going to test our works. Right. A lot of preachers are going to get to heaven. And I'm sad to say it. Uh, there's a lot of people. They'll get to heaven because they never, got to, they never went to a revival service. They never saw anything it, the benefit of going to church more than just checking in, sitting in the pew, and checking out. There is a blessing that comes from pressing and hungering and thirsting after God. He says you'll be filled with his righteousness. You'll be filled. But there's a lot of people that will get to heaven, and everything they've done in this life will be with them. And you'll be alone, and it's going to be there. Then the fire of God's going to hit it anyway. We could have had it before, but then it's going to be hit and it's going to burn up everything of our life and we will receive no reward for it. That's why it's so important because I'm, I'm wanting you to have something when you get to the other side. We're all going to end up in eternity. You're going to stand before God by yourself. It's going to happen. It's better to receive an encounter with God now, to receive the fire of God, to receive his power now, than wait and be ashamed later and lose out. It's kind of like my father this one time. He was building a lake house. Put his heart, his everything into it. The house they were going to retire in, you know. And, I mean, just went all out. Didn't hold back anything on it. And then all of a sudden, one day, we were driving to go work because we grew citrus. So I was riding with him one morning, early morning. We turned on our road, going down the road. And all of a sudden, at the end of the road... We just see this black smoke, and we see fire trucks at the end of it. 
And the house was completely burned up. Not one thing was left. Not one thing. That's what it will be like for some people. They'll spend their whole lives just building this thing and and putting their heart into it. And they'll bring it before God and they'll lay it down. And (laughs) one moment. Gone. The person in the very back woke up. Good to see you, sir. I'm kidding. That's George back there. I can see. I can see you back there. How are you? (laughs) Glad you're back. Turn to Acts chapter 2. doesn't have to be long. Remember, suddenly, God's about to pour out his spirit here. Get ready. Nudge the person next to you. Say, get ready. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there's that word suddenly again. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this noise, when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together. They were confounded because every man heard them speaking in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, all, are not all these that speak Galileans? And how do we hear every man in our own tongue? Wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judah and in Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pigria and Paleolaba and all the <laughs> countries that you, being an American, definitely a southern boy, you can't pronounce. And in Egypt and in parts of Libya and Crete and the strangers of Rome and the Jews and the proselytes and the Cretes and the Arabians. Where do we hear speaking in tongues and the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said that these men were full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, even the women. There is women preachers. I don't care what you say. God uses women. He says, I pour out my spirit upon my handmaidens. Amen. 
Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Amen. I'm starting to dream dreams, so that tells me I'm, I'm probably getting a little old. Lord, renew my youth as the eagle. Amen. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter was talking to everybody. It's for whosoever shall be saved. God is waiting. Whosoever shall call out and get hungry and thirsty. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. God is waiting to pour out his spirit. He's looking for someone. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone to show himself strong in. The eyes of the Lord will come over your house one day. It might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. But when he looks at your house, is he going to see someone that he can show himself strong in? God, don't pass my house. Show yourself strong in me. What does God see when he looks over your house? He's looking for one man, for one woman that will totally yield to him and he'll take you and do mighty wonders in your life. If you receive it, shout amen. Amen. It's available. We just have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty and desperate. Tonight is your night. If you've been waiting for a long time, you don't have to wait anymore. God wants to touch you. He's waiting. All you have to do is cry out. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, what are you doing? Nothing. This is the Holy Spirit service tonight. You don't have to wait till the end, and you don't have to have someone to lay hands on you. He can touch you right now. The woman with the issue of blood was so desperate. I spoke about it last night. She pressed through the crowd and touched his garment. There was a crowd there. No one else received anything. There's no account. Many people were touching and pulling at Jesus. wanting. If it was today, it would be like a a rock star, a movie star walking through the the mall and just being flocked and people trying to take selfies with it. Jesus, Jesus, get over here, look. All right, see you later. Thanks, that's all I wanted. And they received it. They shook hands with him. That's all they got. But she was desperate. There was a cry in her heart that said, if I touch, I need something from him. And it says he felt virtue leave his body and flow into her. Then Jesus left that town and went right across the ocean. It says they brought out the sick and laid them in the streets. And then it says in that city, every person that touched him received their healing. Received that thing that they desperately needed. So what's different between one city and another? Hunger. God answers hunger. You know what that other city was where every person touched him received? That was one of the cities where the demoniac was went, went and was preaching.
they saw a man that was radically changed. And it sparked something on the inside of them and said, you know what? I want that too. I got to have that. I got to have that. God's touching people right now. Hallelujah. Jesus. Go ahead and lift your hands and receive. Go ahead and begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, come and touch me. Let him hear you. So Ramande ke broko rabasande. You got to get hungry and desperate. I remember when the Holy Spirit hit me. I remember when the fire of God hit me. I cried out. I was so hungry and so desperate. God already saved my life, but I still needed something else. I still needed a touch. I still needed an encounter with God. If I was going to be used, if God's going to use you, you have to have his power. How are you going to cast out a devil unless you have his power? How are you going to go and do the works of Jesus unless you've had that encounter? If you've had that encounter, you know you have. But there's still more that you can receive from him. There's more than just one touch that you can receive. It's all according to your hunger. A.A. Allen was a great minister. He began to go ahead and get hungry for God because he wasn't seeing miracles. If you ever heard of A.A. Allen, he's known as the miracle man. Why? He had an encounter. He got so hungry, he said, I'm, he told his wife, he said, honey, I don't care what you have to do. I'm going in this closet underneath my stairs. Don't let me out until I've had a touch. I have to have miracles. If I'm going to have miracle meetings, I need miracles in my meetings, or I can't call them miracle meetings. He went in there, and about three hours passed by, and his wife started cooking up some pork chops. Bless God. And he was just overcome and came out of the closet and ate the pork chops. Man, how long was I in there? Three hours. Next day, he said, you know what? I don't care. I have to go back in there. He goes in there and locks the door and begins to pray. Days went by. Then Jesus appeared to him, gave him his ministry. He came out. Then some of the most astounding miracles outside of the Bible we hear from his ministry. There was a man named Ron Cushmel, a man from Texas, a cowboy preacher. They call him, wears the belt buckle and everything. Scary man. He scares me. He ministered my first week of Bible school when I was there. He's a legend in Africa. Everywhere you go, you hear about this man. Been translated, raised the dead. And when you're translated, that means God takes you and you're gone and you appear in another place. It's real. It happens. He challenged us my first week of Bible school. He said, I dare you. He says, you won't do it. He says, when the house is quiet, go home, find a quiet place and kneel down. And I want you to pray these same words for 30 days. He says, I double dog dare you. You won't do it. He says, find a quiet place in the house, kneel down and say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you. You don't have to say it, but thank you, though. They're hungry. Heavenly Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you.
Heavenly Father, I worship you. Jesus, I worship you. Holy Spirit, I worship you. Don't say anything else. He said the first day he went in there and knelt down to do it, he says, that preacher's not more tougher than me. I'm going to show him what's up. I'm going to go do it. Knelt down. He said it was yuck. He said he hated it. His knees hurt. It was terrible. Terrible. Didn't feel a thing. Nothing happened. Second day came. Same thing. Third day came. Same thing. Fourth day, he walks in there, kneels down, and he described it like this. He says, when I knelt down, it's like I knelt into God. And he says, I've never come out since. You can have a relationship with God that's more real than a relationship with your best friend. He is real. Jesus said, don't, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He's going to be your guide, your teacher. He will help you. You need him. I'm not going to be with you, but you need him. Wait, tarry. Now that the Holy Spirit's come, we don't have to wait anymore. All you have to do is get hungry and cry out. It doesn't have to take three days. It doesn't have to take 21 days. It can happen immediately. It just all depends on your hunger and your thirst. It can happen right now. You have to get hungry and desperate. There's a man in Africa. He went to the preachers there. He felt God called him to go into the ministry. He goes to the preachers. He says, this was actually Leonard Ravenhill. It was a letter that A.W. Tozer received. He said it was the most precious thing I've ever received. Hunger. This man was so hungry. He went to the pastors, the elders of the church. He said, give me a church. Give me a church. Give me somewhere to preach. They said, no, you're not called to preach. Go away, go away, go away. He kept coming back. He came back the next time they met. Give me a church, I beg you. Please give me a church. Give me a church. They said, they ushered him, sent him away. He comes back a third time, bugging them. It's just like God. Ask and keep on asking. You have to ask to receive. You have to cry out. The words have to come out of your mouth for him to hear them and act upon them. He said, give me a church. He comes back the third time. There's more elders there. He says, give me a church. He said, well, you know, we do have this one church in the middle of nowhere. There's only a handful of people there. I mean, just let him go and preach. I mean, it's not going to do any harm anyways. So they sent him way in this middle of nowhere in Africa. And he began to preach and nothing was happening. But the Lord, he was reading where people would go on fast. He was just brand new, didn't know anything about ministry. Just God said, hey, I want to put you in the ministry. So we begged him for a church and they finally gave him one. So he goes and he's like, I'm going to go on a fast. He finds a little cave. And he went there, and he began to fast and pray. Fast and pray, fast and pray. And he said, one day it was like a wind blew in the cave, and God was there. He said, God met me. He came back the next Sunday. His church began to grow. Then they had to move buildings. Then all the other elders had to come. They said, what's going on? What's happening over there? There's something happening. There's a stirring happening where we sent that guy to. 
Now he has a humongous ministry. as one of the biggest ministries in Africa. Of course, he's passed it down. It's been years. But every year he would go back there to get refilled again and refilled again because he knew that the ministry only depended on God. He couldn't do it himself. If he didn't have God, nothing would happen. It was the same with me. I began to cry out. I began to get so hungry for God. When I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I left everything. God called me into the ministry. All I heard, he saved my life. I started going to a church. Then I got so frustrated with God. I was sitting in the back row. I said, God, is this it? Is this what I've left everything for? To babysit old people? I was serious. I said, if this is it, I'm done. I said, either I see what's in the Bible or I'm not, I can't do this. I want what I see in the Bible. I cannot have the small stuff. I have to see the real. And he spoke to me just as loud as he did when I was praying for that woman in St. Lucia with the withered hand. He said, go to Bible school and go on a missions trip. Next day I got hired or that next week, I got hired on at Ruby Tuesdays the same day as a man that went to the Bible school. He invited me, told me about this Bible school. I'm like, man, this has got to be God. I've never heard about this place. Then he said, there's actually a mission trip coming up. I said, how much does it cost to go? He said, it's free. I said, I'm there. I said, how? I said, can I go? He said, yeah, but you have to come to these meetings first. So I went to these meetings, and on a Thursday night, sitting way in the back, so hungry and desperate for God. I cried every service. So hungry. So hungry for the Lord. So desperate for the Lord. Broken. This minister called me out, called me to the front, laid hands on me, and I hit the deck. Boom. It was like he hit me with a sledgehammer. And it felt like electricity from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And then God said, this is where you're supposed to be. But that wasn't the touch. That was one touch. And I keep watching them. and I'm seeing all these great men come through this school and they're preaching and they're talking about there's encounter. There's an encounter you can have with God. It's not just a little touch. It's a big touch. It's a big Holy Ghost. Like some preachers say. You can get it right now. Other people are getting it. So I was so hungry. I would fast and pray. I'd read my Bible. I wouldn't do anything. I'd go to church. I'd go to school. I'd go to class. And then one night, it was a Thursday night, something about Thursday nights, the power of God hit. And our dean fell out of his chair. And there was a lady behind him. She wasn't a small lady. Her name was Robin Tom. She, she's known for how funny she is, but she is a very large lady. I'm talking like 600 pounds. She was getting hit as well, and she was about to slide out of her chair. She was going to fall on top of him. Not a good situation for our dean. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Rodney looks and he says, get him out of there. I have the DVD. I'll play it for you one day. 
I can't watch it still to this day. The same thing happens to me. He says, somebody get him out of there. I'm serious. So one of the other ministers walk over there and they grab the leg and try and pull him. As soon as they touch the leg, boom. The same thing that was on them hits them. So another minister gets up. I can do it. Walks over there, grabs his leg to pull him. Boom. Same thing. Then finally, this is at Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's service. I believe most of us know him in here because he's been here. Finally, his son Kenneth gets up. I can do it. These guys, get out of here. Runs over there, grabs his leg, pulls the dean all the way out, gets ready to go walk back to his seat. All of a sudden, something comes on him. He looks at his dad. Then, boom, he hits the ground. (laughs) And as soon as he hit the ground, you can watch on the DVD. It's like a wave hits the front row goes all the way across and hits Pastor Rodney standing in the front. And I'm sitting there. I'm on the second row. I'm like an armor, like a uh, section leader. So like, this is a section here. Like, I'm responsible for this section. So I'm like, man, I'm so proud of myself. I'm so there. I'm ready to catch. And all of a sudden, Pastor Rodney starts stumbling. And I hear in my spirit, he's going to fall. So immediately, my job is be there and catch. Make sure you're there. That's why it's so important to serve. Because when you're serving, you're pouring out. Even in prayer, God hears everything. And he's a rewarder. I jump up, young. I'm going to catch Pastor Rodney. I'm not going to let him fall. Jumping over people. There's people laying on the ground already. He's standing right in the middle. He turns this way. I turn right behind and catch him. And immediately, it was just like looking at those lights. Something hit me. I was stuck. I couldn't help at all. You can watch the video. I was no help. We fell simultaneously just like this. Boom! And hit the ground. Two other, two other ushers ran and tried to catch us. And as soon as they touched us, boom! We slammed the ground. Now Pastor Rodney is laying on top of me. And what's so crazy is you go back and look at the video. When we fell, Pastor Adonica is sitting on the front row. Just like this. And when the wind hit and we fell, she goes just like this. And experienced the same wind. It's real. The Holy Spirit is real. But something came on my leg and began to pull me out from underneath Pastor Rodney. It wasn't another person. Then it came all over my body. And I get on my hands and knees, and I'm in the front row, and Pastor Rodney starts rolling over, and he looks at me in the eye. And it's like he set a match. Something went and set me on fire from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I begin to try and launch myself up off the ground. I had to move. If you've ever had fire on you, you run. (laughs) Pastor Brian just showed me a video. I wasn't even thinking about this. He showed me a video today of a man receiving persecution in China, but they threw gas on him and lit him on fire. The first thing he did, he didn't stand there trying to brush the fire off. You know what that man did? He ran. Shirt was off. Boom, water on him. Fire's out. You're not sitting still when the fire gets on you. You are moving. The fire comes for a purpose. I jumped up, ran. A catcher stepped in the row and tried to block me. It was a bad decision. (laughs) 
You're not going to stop me. As soon as I touched him, boom, he fell out. I commenced to running all the way. I've never done this. I was raised in a Baptist church. You do not do that. You don't raise your hand. You sit there. You stand up when they say stand up. You sit down when they say sit down. You can't even dance. They have ice cream socials. They don't have dances. It's <laughs> where my mom and dad met. They met at the ice cream social. So sometimes ice cream socials are good. For those that are still believing for a, their spouse. I ran and every single person I touched fell out underneath the power of God. What was on them is just boom, 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 it hopped. And then it jumped on me. I ran all the way around, came around the building. I hit the wall on the other side and because the, the building's like in a circle. So I ran all the way around the sanctuary, through the foyer, and then back into the sanctuary again. I hit one of our, he became a pastor after this, but I hit one of the other guys in Bible school the same year. And he grabs me and catches me. And all of a sudden he looks at me and, oh, it hit him and he took off running. <laughs> and then I started running again. I fell in the back of the sanctuary, was completely out. Didn't know what happened, wasn't even trying to lay there. I was just lost in the spirit, lost. I remember Pastor Rodney walking back, he walked over me or something, he said, just leave him there. That's all I remember. And then I got up a couple hours later, everyone was gone. I wasn't in a rush to get up off the floor either. This is God's operating table. It's where God puts stuff in you. He prepares you. Sometimes you roll. I've rolled too. One service I got hit and I rolled upstairs. I have that video too. And rolled across the floor. My cowboy boots came off and everybody saw my white socks that I had on. Sorry. From Plant City, Florida. Thought I'd get away with it. Nope. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But I got up and all the lights were off except the, light, the blue lights that were in the church that go around. Everybody was gone. My roommate was there. The other pastor, John, he was there, John Hawkins. He was rolling on the front. They call them holy rollers. But when you roll, it's good because normally you start on one side, then you go to the other side. That's why God says, well done, thy good and faithful servants. You've been cooked on both sides. <laughs> Amen. It's not my joke. I stole it. But it's still good. And my roommates were sitting on the front, sitting on the front stairs of the altar. And then something so amazing struck me. The power of God was so present that night. It was such a sweet presence and sweet anointing that Pastor Rodney went up to his office, waited for everyone to leave, and then he brought his whole family back down, and they sat Indian style on the carpet. I'm feeling it right now. Hallelujah. As soon as I said that. Whew. I'm telling you. It's like, I feel it. And I was sitting on the altar, and I just began to cry. And Pastor Rodney looks at me, and this is something, this is where I received the encounter. He looked at me, he was sitting on the floor. He motioned to me to come here. 
I sat down next to him, just crying. I said, I don't know what this is. And he just took his hand, put his hand on my back. When you receive an encounter and you begin to talk about it, the same thing comes back. The same thing happens. I've never been the same. I begin to think about the anointing or think about the things of God. He's there. Go to another country. He's there. It never leaves. It's always there. I can be mad as a skunk, yield into my flesh, but then I can leave the room, just lift my hands. He's still there. best thing I've learned is to take your eyes off a man and put them on Jesus. He can come and touch you right now. He's touching many people. The fire of God's fallen in this place already. Just go ahead and close your eyes. He's walking up and down the rows. I'm going to do something that I've been taught in the Lord. The men of God over me have taught me and the Lord has also spoken to me to do. The Holy Spirit has asked for space and time to move and touch his people. So, Holy Spirit, I yield and I give you that time now. The fire of God's getting ready to fall. Lift your hands. As you do, the glory of God comes upon you. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus. There it is. Fire! That's it. Let it out. Fire. More. More. Yep. There it is. Let it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> He's supposed to be helping me. 
Jesus. Riboko Ramande. Jesus. Fresh fire. Never the same. Never, never, never the same. Jesus. Have you ever seen her like this? No. Never. Wow, and how old are you now? I'm 11. 11. You've never seen her like that. Wow, the Lord must really be touching her, huh? Jesus. Seen Brandea. Sit right where you are. Right where you are. Jesus. So Ramande Fire. That's it. Go ahead and stand in the aisle. As you do, the glory of God comes upon you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Fire. For anyone that thinks I push him over, I did I touch him? Never the same. Never the same. Father, in the name of Jesus, the same fire that fell on me, let it fall on him now in Jesus' name. This is what we're going to do. Hallelujah.
every person that feels the anointing on them, I want you to stand up and step into the aisles. I want you to, ushers are going to help you. We're going to line you up across the front. Only the people that feel the anointing on them. Yeah, just one line, guys. That'd be good. You say, man, they don't have a big organ playing behind you, making noise, stirring stuff up. You don't need that. See, <laughs> 